This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about powdered sugar. Yeah, this episode was suggested by a by a Reddit user. Is that what we call Reddit people? Yeah, we call them users. We call them users. Wow. Okay, well, this this was suggested by Seaside Houses on Reddit. That sounds nice, doesn't it? You know, when I was typing it into the agenda, I initially typed it as Seaside Tables, which I also (laughs) thought was really nice. I mean, I I thought thought you were going to say Seaside Horses. I mean, I I would love a Seaside Table. I mean, if I can't have a Seaside House, maybe I could have a Seaside Table. Just just like a table kind of like sitting out near near the water somewhere. That's right. That's right. Um, Is that what they mean by the water table? That's exactly what they mean by the water table. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) When I hear seaside houses, I think Murder, She Wrote, like the the opening credits of Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) I've never seen the opening credits of Murder, She Wrote. I don't think I have in like 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Matthew, today we are talking about powdered sugar. And I am really glad we're doing this episode because I think powdered sugar is one of those ingredients that most of us probably have in our houses, Mm -hmm. but maybe like never really think about. Maybe we take it for granted. And also some of my favorite like sweets involve powdered sugar. So I'm glad we're getting around to this. Uh, getting, uh, getting around to this finally. Yeah, we're get, we get around. We do get around. I have a little uh, anecdote from work that I wanted to share, a food-related anecdote before we start. This could be Please. a new segment. like uh, Food-related anecdote before we start? Uh, <laughs> yeah, frab, frab, frab was just, I was just like frabs. Like how, like how apparently we call our listeners milkmaids or the clomp. <laughs> <laughs> People okay. are still sending in ideas, and they know that we've said a lot milkmaids or the clomp, but but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. We'll still take them. Okay, so okay. Uh, my team at work is going on a retreat that will have happened by the time you hear this, maybe, to Lake Tahoe, which is a lake in California. 
I've never been there, so I had to look up whether it was in Nevada or California. I just this morning got a survey asking, uh, like, what, you know, some food choices, like, do you have any, any, like, food allergies or, like, preferences? And, like, you know, would you prefer this kind of sandwich or this kind of sandwich for lunch? And then there was, like, a free form, like, what would you like to have on hand for non-perishable snacks? And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I've got, I've got ideas here. And then I look close, <laughs> closer and it said, uh, for example, peanut M&Ms, comma, Cheez-Its, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, that is literally the two things I was going to say. What is happening? <laughs> Did <laughs> like, you feel this- really like understood by your workplace? Did you feel seen and valued? Understood, but maybe also they like are using my laptop camera to spy on my snacking habits. Because <laughs> this wasn't sent just to me. And those are literally the top two things I would have chosen. But hold on. You had a retreat. Uh, your your workplace had a retreat right. in Palm Springs. And there was also, you know, presumably like a snack situation there. Did you fill out a questionnaire then and ask for peanut M&Ms and Cheez-Its? I don't remember. I There were definitely peanut M&Ms. I don't remember if there were Cheez-Its. Um, there were pretzels. It was it was a good snack table. That's but great. like, yeah, this this like seeing seeing that like, you know, and here, Matthew, is the contents of your snack brain was, uh, so was, was puzzling and and yes, uplifting as well. Yeah, uh, you, you're clearly you, you found your people. Now, what if I get to the retreat and neither of those things are available? I <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even want to contemplate a world in which What if that everyone else on my team fills it out like fuck those two ideas? <laughs> like <laughs> we want a beef jerky and bananas. Yum. If there is <laughs> one so fine. it like you know how the general fruit offerings at the like GFOs, kind yeah. of a crappy like hotel buffet or whatever it's going to be a bowl full of bananas that are either underripe or overripe. Yep. Usually under I feel like. A bowl full of red delicious apples. Yep, that yep, I knew what you were going to say next. A whole bunch of oranges. Yeah. Just like ordinary navel oranges. Yeah, we're not talking clementines. There's nothing less appealing to me than that trifecta of ordinary fruits. Wife of the Sir Lori and I just stayed at a hotel that had uh, a motel that had like a better than average continental breakfast. It had the kind of like packaged breakfast pastries that we sat on on that one episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it had it had like uh, Yoplait, individual Yoplait yogurts. And I feel like there was something something else I pulled from there. And like, oh, they had green, they had, like the kind of green tea that I like, like the Costco's Japanese green tea, which is pretty good. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was pleased. Like, I, I don't have a comment on the fruit situation. I kind of didn't notice. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. Okay, so this has been uh, our uh, most <laughs> beloved segment, uh, Frab. Uh, what was it? Free, free form rambling no, anecdotes. No. <laughs> Food-related Food anecdote. Food-related anecdote before, before we, we start. start. There we Frab, go. Frab, Frab was. There we go. Frab WS right. sounds like an old-timey corporation. Right? It does. We, we're in the we're in the import export <laughs> business. Did I tell you or did I send you? Uh, there's a company called Flat D. Like, <laughs> like flat oh God. And then initial D. And do you want to guess at what they sell? You're never what gonna does get flat this. D sell. It's I mean, <laughs> I like I know this is like the almost obvious joke, but it sounds like they come to your house and take away your Viagra. Um uh <laughs> oh. flat D. I don't even know how Ash and I came upon this. It's a real company, Matthew, and what they sell 
is like like fart protectant clothing and pads you can put in your underwear, like odor oh, absorbing. Wow. I, so, they, okay, they so, sell a fart sack. It looks like a sleeping bag, but you put yourself in it if you're feeling too flatulent. But this, the company is, is called Flat D. Look it up. I get it. Okay, so like like flatulence defender, something kind, like right? that. I want to I want to laugh at this, and yet I think probably for some people this is like a real problem that they're really happy to have a solution for. But I mean, like, uh, so I, I I made some like doctored black beans the other day, like canned black <laughs> <Sure>. beans, <laughs> and it's been real rough around my house ever <laughs> since. Uh, you <laughs> he know, doctored them with more beans. Something I've been thinking about is <laughs> I feel like I eat a lot of fiber, and uh-huh. yet. This kind of thing can absolutely destroy the quality of life in our household for multiple <laughs> days. Don't, but you have and, an air filter. <laughs> Isn't it magical? I, like, is there something where, like, you know, am I, like, not eating enough beans? And so when I do, like, everything hmm. goes haywire, like, in terms of the air quality in here? <laughs> I genuinely don't know the answer. Like, I think, I think that's possible, like, because I... I imagine it's less of an issue among people who eat beans like literally every day. I feel like I eat maybe more, maybe at least as many beans as like the average white American person. Yeah. But I. So like, like maybe four beans a week. (laughs) Four beans a week. (laughs) Anyway. uh, I can't imagine somebody needing flat D more than I do. I don't know. Like, I, I think we came upon it because Ash was seriously like, I'm going to put you in a bag before so you did get you, in did, our bed. Did you order some? No. Oh, I think you should. I think you should. And you report back. Matthew, all of our extra money goes to baby formula and child yeah. care. I so so you're, you're saying this isn't an essential need? It sounds like it is. Okay, Okay, cool. So we have no listeners left at this point. So let's talk about powdered sugar. Okay. All right. So, hey, I want to start off on memory lane today. So the first thing that I thought of was this uh, like hand cranked, like tin Mm -hmm. sifter that my mom had. And I think that it was painted white with some sort of like a floral motif on the outside of it. Right. Does this sound familiar? It does. And I remember always being thrilled when we got to pull it out and use it when we were baking. You wrote down that your mother also had yes, one of these. Yes, my mom also had a sifter. I don't so I think there are two kinds of sifters. Like there's the crank kind and there's the kind you kind of shake side to side. You know what I mean? And like something moves inside. Oh, the the kind you shake side to side, I think of as just like a sieve that you put the I think sugar I think there's in. a kind that you that you like jostle and and that and it's got it's got like two kind of two screens that that like move like parallel to each other you can't even see my hand motion i here, would but like it is our listeners graceful. to write in with a drawing of what they think matthew is uh, i think this is real okay shake sifter i'm, I'm just googling sh- whoa Okay. Did your mom have the crank kind or the the shake kind? I don't remember, but I I remember shaking a sifter at some point, so it could have been that. But as I recall, I think I ru- okay. I wrote down that I ruined it by putting sand in it, but I now I remember. I think I actually put sawdust in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why? Just because like kids do stupid stuff all day long. 
Okay. My mom, you know, it's interesting because like nobody buys the, nobody has these anymore. That's what I was going to say. Like it's, we, we both immediately thought of it as like, like formative childhood memories. And yet we haven't been able to give our children the same, That's sister, right. ha- like, you know, hazy sifter memories. My mom's also, you know, we did an episode on cooking sounds, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if, if I were to talk about baking sounds, oh yeah, the sound of the, you know, the little, the part that you crank, uh, scraping against the mesh sieve in the sifter was, yes. is oh, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I can still hear it. And then also the sound of the tin hitting my mother's hand as she tapped the side of it yeah. to get the last bits of sugar down into the well of the sieve. Okay. Let me ask you a question that is now like we're veering off the subject of, uh, of powdered sugar, which uh, we've stuck so scrupulously to the subject up until now um <laughs> is like sifting flour a thing you ever have to do anymore i never sift flour i never i never do either I'm wondering, is there ever. like some recipe where it's necessary or is it or is flour just like better like prepped before it comes to you i know it says pre-sifted often yeah on the i wonder thing. if it's all just mostly maybe it was always a scam to sell to sell hand cranked sifter. I think that it was sort of like, you know, the US not having universal childcare. It was just something to keep women busy. Yeah, I think you're right. Basically. It was like sift everything, ladies. Yeah, uh-huh. Don't use your brain. The sugar, just sift. the flour, the sawdust. <laughs> The, the, holy, right. the, the holy sand. trinity of, of middle America cooking. Yep. Okay. So yeah, my mom's sifter. I, I miss that thing. And I remember my mom in particular using the powdered sugar on Christmas cookies. Yes. So Russian tea cakes, which I know we're going to talk about a little later, also often called Mexican wedding cookies, mm-hmm. etc. Linzer cookies. You know, the top of her Linzer cookie was like a circle with a hole. It was like donut shaped, basically. Did she ever use the sifter to give the Christmas tree like a light dusting of snow? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) you are so pleased with your stupid joke. You're making your 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 jostling shifter hands. (laughs) Jostling shifter hands. No, I need my shifter hands for when I when I drive my uh, my souped up (laughs) Nissan Initial D style and also flat D style. That's your old Datsun. <laughs> That's right, right, right. Flat D. As when you have a lowrider Datsun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matthew, what about your memory lane? That was kind of it. Like, uh, the, mostly the sifting. Like, I think I, I, I did like, like you know, those powdered sugar donuts that you got at the supermarket. <gasps> at one point, like, I don't even particularly like those now, although I certainly will eat them if they're available. But, like, there was a time when I was a kid that that was, like, an extremely sought-after item. Oh, my God, Matthew. I, I absolutely have the same sort of emotional, like there's the same like emotional sparkle around donut gems. It's, it's kind of like all the Hostess products. I feel like when you're when you're a kid, or at least when you were a kid in the '80s, like maybe your friends friends' parents let them have like you know like Lucky Charms, but like even in like the Lucky Charms house, like Twinkies and donuts and shit were were always like you know a special occasion. Like we talked our parents into this kind of item, right? Yes. Uh, but yeah, the, the donut gem, the, the powdered yes. sugar donut gem uh, was the, I, I mean, I remember f- 
feeling that there was, for me as a child, like the original perfectly engineered food product. Like yeah, it was kind of. Like so the way it crumbles in your mouth. Perfect. Yeah. And I don't think I'd feel that way about it now. I know that we did a Hostess products mm-hmm. episode a long time ago, and I think we, we felt less than, uh, you know, yeah, honestly, like Less I didn't even like the Hostess the stuff that much when I was a kid. I'm sure I said this on the oh, Hostess products episode. Like, but I think I think probably the Donut Gems would have been my favorite. Oh, big time. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matthew, that I'm really glad we've established Me that too. because we are starting out really on the same memory lane. There's so much overlap on yeah. our memory lanes. Let's let's link arms. We and, should follow and skip. this yellow brick road. Mm-hmm. And see where it leads. So is powdered sugar the same thing as confectioner's sugar? Because I was told at some point in my formative baking years that they were not. Uh, they are totally the same thing. What? And they're also, it's also called icing sugar in England and sucre glace in France. Okay. And probably some other cool things in other places. But yes, confectioner's sugar and powdered sugar are the same thing. So I could swear that like one of them had something added to it that would sometimes give it an aftertaste and the other didn't or. That is such a beautiful segue because let's talk about what oh. this stuff is. Oh, okay. All right. It's sucrose, which is which is also what granulated sugar is, that's been finely milled and mixed with an anti-caking agent, usually cornstarch or sometimes potato starch. What do you think the ratio is? Oh, I know this. It's between 97 to 3 and 95 to 5. Oh, wow. Okay. Typically about about 5% starch. That's actually a pretty high amount when you really think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Enough so, let, uh, yeah, let's just jump ahead that powdered sugar dissolves really well. And so you might think it would be like good to like stir into your iced tea, but A, it'll, it'll clump. Uh, but also like, even if it doesn't, if you like put the, put the powdered sugar in first, it has enough starch in it that it will thicken your drink. Ooh, really? Which, which means you can use it uh, to make like a, like a homemade hot cocoa mix, which you want to be a little thick, but like for, for oh. like a beverage that you don't want to have viscosity, probably not the best choice. Okay. Oh, this is so interesting. Okay. Wow. Okay. So why do we need the anti-caking agent? Because sugar is hygroscopic. I'm sure we've used this word on the show before, right? Why isn't it hydroscopic? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask that. And because and, I realized as I was pulling out this agenda that I don't know the answer. It seems like it should be hydroscopic. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, like a hygrometer is measures humidity and a hydrometer measures something else. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so, okay, right. We have to, we have to answer hydro versus hydro. Which one is better? Okay. Hydro is the prefix meaning water. Hygro is the prefix meaning wet or moist may or may not be from water, but in this case it is. So, um, <laughs> okay. Well, so, so I guess what we're saying here is uh, powder. <laughs> Sugar is <laughs> sugar is attracted to moisture or sugar attracts moisture. Uh, it doesn't have to be water. It could be anything. Okay. I have to report one other important thing for the internet. I still have not determined what the difference between hydro and hygro is, but I'm looking at like, you know, the uh, the Google clip from a Reddit link where the, the question is, what's the difference between hydro and hygro? And the summary of the of the page is, what would be the most unexpected opponent for Godzilla in the movie Godzilla versus? What do you think? <laughs> Godzilla versus Hydro or Hygro? Hygro. Hygro definitely sounds more yes, aggro. Yes, it sounds more aggro. Yes, mm-hmm. it's highly aggro. That's what Hygro means. You know, when I was a kid and a teenager, and I would say even <laughs> someone in college, it All never- at the same time. 
like I never regretted that like I didn't I never took Latin or Greek <laughs> or anything like that. And now I really uh, now I I wish like that knowledge were in my brain the way that some I other foundational like knowledge. I knew is in some my people brain. who took like like Greek and Latin f- like for science. So you learn like just enough to know what yeah. all the prefixes and suffixes mean. Yeah. And I didn't take that, so I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, here we go. Okay. So yes. sugar is hygroscopic. Yeah. It absorbs moisture from the air. And the extent to which it can grab onto moisture depends on how much of its surface area is exposed. So if you got okay. like granulated sugar, that's like little hunks of sugar. So relatively little surface area is exposed. And it's so it like reaches an equilibrium where it's like drying out kind of as quickly as it's absorbing water. Okay. But if you have powdered sugar, then tons of surface area is exposed. And if you leave it out, it will, or, you know, even if it's in a bag, unless it's like scrupulously airtight, it will absorb enough water to start clumping, mm, which is okay. probably not what you want, unless you put in some starch that can absorb that. Well, and even with starch, it's always wise to sift your powdered sugar because inevitably it has yeah. clumps in it. Right. So when we buy powdered sugar, is it is there like a, a standard size of grain? <laughs> yeah, like like small is the standard size. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so okay. as far as I could tell, so technically powdered sugar is graded by fineness for either triple X, quadruple X, or 10X. But when then when I looked at it, like, you know, Domino brand powdered sugar says says like 10x confectioner's sugar on it. And I think probably all of what we get is like either either it's 10x or like someone made this up and it's not a real thing. Is it the more X's, the finer the it is? The more X's, the finer it is and the dirtier. Uh, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. The sexier. For sure. You know, I wonder, so 10X just reminds me of Fast 10 or Fast X. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how long has this stuff been around? I mean, it must have taken, it is very Fine. I've never looked closely to see how much finer it is than like all-purpose flour. But oh, it seems that's a like good question. Pretty sophisticated milling technology to be able to to do this. Yeah. Okay. Size of sugar grain. Oh no. I, I was okay. I got to stop googling things during the show. Let's just let's just wing it. So, according to an article I read on Mashed.com, uh, powdered sugar originated in the 17th or 18th century. But mm. at the time, it was like a byproduct of granulated sugar production. So they were they were like milling granulated sugar, and it was coming out in like all different sizes. And so they would they would sieve it, and like you know some of it would be kind of like chunky, some would be medium chunky, and some would be the smallest size, the powdered sugar. You know, I I think that um, it seems like it, it powdered sugar is to. <laughs> granulated sugar production. Yeah. As sawdust is to milling of wood. Yeah. There you yeah, go. You brought it back around to sawdust. Thank so, you. Okay, so so mom, if you're listening, I was because of what Molly just said, I was right to put <laughs> sawdust in your sifter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can stop okay. holding a grudge now. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen, 
Uh, they've got – you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. Uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of <laughs> movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator. Yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like the art of making Has people feel to things to, to teach me. Yeah. Yeah, because because I've got a master class subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolengi, yeah. you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're 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 on masterclass. Yes. But private lessons he from did, right. these people. Right. doesn't come to your house, That's but right. virtually he does. That's right. So masterclass makes all of this possible and you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. So Matthew, what what do we use this for? Like, what is what is it good for? Okay. So I mean, I know, but the I, first do thing you that, know? Yeah. Sort of. The first thing that came to mind was glaze, right? Yeah, glazes. Glazes. And I, I'm not a big glaze fan. I know some, some of you out there are total glaze heads. Um, and, glaze I, head. and I respect that completely. <laughs> like, I, I would rather have, like, you know, anywhere I find a, a glaze, I kind of want, like, a, a ganache or a cream cheese frosting or, or something. But making glaze is super fun because it takes so little liquid to dissolve so much powdered sugar and it fascinates me every time. Have you have you done this recently? Uh, not super recently, but I, I've made a lot of glaze in my day. Mm-hmm. I love glaze. I especially love uh, a, like a really nice tart lemon glaze. So that would oh, just yeah. be fresh lemon juice added to powdered Absolutely. sugar. Yeah. No, if I had to pick a glaze, I, I don't hate glaze. But yeah, I want it to be, I don't like plain glaze like made with water. But like mm-hmm. uh, like a lemon glaze or a coffee glaze is my other favorite. Ooh. Ever ever done how that? How do you think? I wonder how um, the glaze on a glazed donut is made. Hmm. 
you know, I just said I don't like plain glaze, but obviously the glazed ponder ring is my favorite donut. So what am I talking well, about? Well, I feel like a glazed donut, that's a different thing than than like a glaze that's on a cake. Yeah, I, I, think I, I was imagining it, like, like it, a glaze drizzled on a scone or something where it's kind of thick. Oh, I, I don't like yeah. that. But I like it on a, I like it on cake. I don't want it on a scone though. Yeah. But I, I think mean, that's my I love own personal the look scone of glaze on a cake. We, we've talked about my, my problematic feelings about cake enough. So. <laughs> okay. Aside from making glazes, what do you do with powdered sugar? Okay. There's really one other thing that I do. And when, when you say other than glazes, like when was the last time I really made a glaze? Like probably back in my sawdust sifting days. Okay. Um, Muddy Buddies, a.k.a. Puppy Chow. I don't think I've ever had Puppy Chow. Oh, okay. Do you know what it is? It involves peanut butter and cereal Mm -hmm. and powdered sugar. And chocolate. Chocolate chips. So uh, How does this work? You take some Czech cereal. Okay. And and you set it aside because that's not in the first step. (laughs) Um, You melt together some butter, chocolate chips, and peanut butter and make like a gloop out of that. Okay. A real, okay. real good gloop. And this is the mud. This in, is the mud. The then you okay. toss that with a bunch of Czech cereal, whatever, whatever variety you like, but pro- probably not a sweetened one. I think that would be gross, but like okay. uh, wheat checks, corn checks, rice checks, whatever, um, or Crispix. And you toss that until it's until the uh, the gloop is coating the cereal pretty well. And then you put in powdered sugar and you shake it in a bag so that it gets really well coated and they stop sticking together. So wait, it must be so much powder because as you may recall, powdered sugar is hygroscopic. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you've just put powdered sugar onto this like gloopy cereal. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you have to put a ton of powdered sugar on it? Yes, it is. I have overdone it. It is possible to overdo it. And then like all you taste is the powdered sugar. But yes, no matter what, it requires a lot. And you want to be able to eat these things like, you know, you will need to wash your hands, but you don't want your hand to turn into a crime scene of like, you know, splattered chocolate and peanut butter and stuff. So so it needs you need to get a good coating on there. So should you be able to like reach in to a bag of of puppy chow and extract like one single piece of cereal? Yeah, that generally, has yes, a- there will be like wow. a, a couple stuck okay. together here and there. But but mostly, you know, you shake them until until they separate. I would love to do an episode about like sweets made from cereal. That's a good idea. Could we do that? I mean, there's got to be other things other than just Rice Krispie treats and puppy um, chow. I had one. I had a Rice Krispie treat this morning. Yeah, there, there definitely are. Okay, great. Abby, flag it. Flag it, bag it, and shake it with powdered sugar. Okay, Muddy Buddies. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah I, we, wow. we always call them Muddy Buddies rather than puppy chow, but it's the same thing. Okay. Uh, you know, I do want to talk about cake yeah, for a please. minute, Matthew. I want to talk about, so the book Snacking Cakes, which yes. I know we both love. Snacking Cakes has a recipe in it for a powdered donut cake. And it's just a really good white cake. I think it has some nutmeg in it. I think it's got sour cream in it. I mean, it's basically replicating a powdered sugar cake donut. Yeah. And I love it. Like this cake has my name all over it. And you like wrote your name in powdered sugar? I wrote, I wrote my name all over it. That's right. Did you, you could, you could do that. You could like, you know, cut out like block letters and like put it on the cake and then, and then powder it and then take them off. That'd be pretty cool. I've always wanted to do, I've never actually done that. I I don't think I have either. Huh. Um, Wow. Missed opportunities. 
Yeah, but it's not it's not too late. So just before we started recording this episode, wife of the show Lori came over to me with the book Snacking Cakes open to that page and said, "Don't forget to talk about this." And I don't think I've ever had it with powdered sugar because Lori always makes it with cinnamon sugar because we're big cinnamon sugar fans. But I want to oh. try the powdered sugar version. Oh, God, I don't think I ever even considered doing it with cinnamon sugar, but that sounds great, too. Yeah, right. Uh, OK, what about other cakes? Are there cakes that you've made that get powdered sugar dusted on top where that's like an integral thing, not just sort of a garnish? You say that as if I've ever made a cake, which I don't. I No, I have made a cake once or twice. I went, okay. One time I made like a cake with like a frosting, like, a, oh, I made a crepe cake with with a frosting made with freeze-dried fruit, like whizzed into the frosting. Okay, what about, uh, <laughs> hold on, moving right along. You know, but, I just, I hadn't thought of this until now and it's so obvious, but hey, what about lemon bars? Yes, I love lemon bars. I have made <laughs> lemon bars. I'm sure I've dusted them with powdered sugar. I don't honestly, I like the look of it. I don't honestly find it necessary. I, I think I prefer a lemon bar like with, with just like the uh, gel, like, you know, translucent lemon topping that I can see. I do think I want powdered sugar, but you have to really like reapply it frequently, right? Oh yeah. It's like sunscreen. Like I, I like every, <laughs> every hour at the, at the, the most, but like preferably every 30 well, and, minutes. And, and every, <laughs> every 80 minutes if, if you've been swimming. Right, right. Exactly. With, like if you take those lemon, lemon bars, bars in the water, like you need to reapply right away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that that, that delights me. Okay, Matthew, what else? Okay, so I learned, um, and I think like if you had pressed me, probably I did know this, but there's a type of powdered sugar called snow sugar, which contains Mm. anti-binding agents so that it doesn't melt, quote, even when dusted Uh, onto baked goods that are slightly wet, like fruit bars and tarts, according to Wikipedia. I bet like... Commer- like big commercial bakeries that make lemon bars and stuff. I bet this is how they do it. Oh, 100%. Would, right? Have you ever heard fruit bars and tarts described as slightly wet before? <laughs> Isn't that appetizing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so I already said the thing about uh, like you can make it into a hot cocoa mix. Um, I learned that you generally, if you are making a recipe that has a lot of fat in it, it's okay to substitute powdered sugar for granulated at a uh, one and three quarters powdered sugar to one cup granulated sugar uh, by volume ratio. Is this really ever going to come up where you have why powdered would the sugar? Recipe, yeah, why would you ever have powdered sugar but on hand but not sugar? granulated? I guess you like you ran out and your and your kid didn't put it on the shopping list after after your kid ate all the granulated sugar <laughs> <laughs> just in handfuls. You're a bad. This parent, is interesting. Is why do you think it? Why do you think the recipe needs to have a lot of fat in order for this to work? Uh, I think because. The fat is going to like neutralize the the like uh, gelatinizing effect of the starch by like hmm. coating the starch molecules. That is my guess. And otherwise, okay. otherwise, like if you put a bunch of cornstarch into a recipe, like it's going to change the texture a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, like has this listeners, has this ever come up for you where you had to substitute powdered <laughs> sugar for granulated? <laughs> like maybe you were we like, know. in the in the wilderness. <laughs> Matthew, uh, let's talk about cookies. Please. You know, we started out with My Memory Lane where there were Linzer cookies and Russian tea cakes. Anything you want to add? 
I, I'm sure we've talked about that cookie. M- maybe we d- had this whole discussion on the on the holiday cookies episode, or like one one of the like four holiday cookie episodes we've done. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That that like really like the origin of especially of the name and the cookie itself of Russian tea cakes, med- Mexican wedding cookies, snowballs, polvorones. Nobody knows for sure where these came from or like where the various names come from. It is an American cookie. It might be related to a Spanish cookie. That's maybe the leading theory, but uh, it's just one of those things. But everyone likes those, right? Everyone does like those. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a, a crinkly, like a chocolate cookie that gets rolled in powdered sugar yes. or, so, or gets rolled in something and then then when it uh, when it, bakes, when it, it bakes, cracks, it, like cracks. I love those. I'm so glad you what, brought those up. What are what is it called? Chocolate crinkle cookies. Chocolate crinkle yes. cookies. Uh, there we go. One of my yeah, one of my favorite. Desserts involving powdered sugar. Yeah, I will eat those all day long. Great. Got, wow, I, I can't. Kind I, of a brownie-like texture. Yes, that's right. That's right. Wow. Okay, well, this this is making me remember uses for powdered sugar that I hadn't thought of in a very long time. Okay, one more. This is a thing I have never had, certainly never made, and just learned about it when researching for this episode. Have you ever heard of a St. Louis gooey butter cake? No. Me neither. So it's like a yeasted coffee cake that is topped with a gooey butter, buttery layer made with tons of butter and powdered sugar, or in some recipes, granulated sugar, but then definitely like topped with, with a generous sprinkle, generous sift of powdered sugar. And mm-hmm. it looks really good. And you can find lots of uh, like people who grew up in St. Louis telling gross stories about how when they, when they uh, were growing up, they would like uh, shave off the top layer and, and just like stuff that into their face and leave the bready part behind. I can't wait to look this I, up. I really want to try this. Yeah, because like in the cross section, you can see like it's got a layer of bread topped with a thick, equally thick layer of goo. I bet it's great. <laughs> okay, excellent. I love goo. Yeah, me too. This has been delightful. I really, I, I feel that I've done a lot of learning in this episode. Yeah, like I feel like my heart went a little, little gooey. I feel like my heart grew a couple sizes. <laughs> yeah. With love for powdered sugar. I feel like sugar. we probably saved Christmas. <laughs> Well, I mean, we stole it first and then we saved it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I'm going to go take off the antler that I've strapped to Gilbert's head. (laughs) Okay. Probably a good idea. He's probably already eaten it, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. Head, guy, not the antler. Will eat anything. <laughs> the guy will. He ate Cindy Lou Who. Uh, today, I've already pulled one rock out of his mouth. Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. But, but okay. what about? Uh, isn't isn't that like good for his gizzard? <laughs> uh, is it chickens that he eats? Yeah. Rocks? Okay. I think so. All right, uh, Matthew. You know what? We have some spilled mail today. We sure do. I don't know if we have an answer to this question, but I love the question so much. I'm going to read it. Okay. (laughs) This is from listener Colton, who asks, I am curious about how you store or hide appliances. (laughs) (laughs) You could pick any one of these as a single listener question or possibly make a whole episode about it. About it. Yes. Okay. Listener Colton, I love, listener Colton really gets us. If the latter, I would also include a question about where you remember your parents <laughs> hiding appliances. Well, my mom, 
would always hide my Easter basket. And sure, with, that's an appliance. <laughs> with it was always hundred percent thought you were going to so say weird. vibrator. Uh, what hiding place <laughs> have you felt particularly pleased or clever about? What is the craziest place you have ever seen someone else hide an appliance when you were visiting their house or a vacation rental? Do 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 you you hide your toaster when you're not using it thank you are there appliances you hide so well that you forget to ever use them do you okay then the next question is do you like microwaves installed over the oven How do you feel about hotels hiding their refrigerators? Or similarly, how about those fancy-ass custom refrigerators that look wood-paneled or otherwise like a normal wall? And that's from listener Colton. This may be the greatest question we've ever received. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Except, what planet are you from? I cannot wait to get into this. Here we go. Okay, where do you hide your appliances, Molly? I I couldn't believe it. I came to your house recently to see your baby, and there were visible appliances in your kitchen. I was so ashamed for you. (laughs) I saw your toaster. I know, I know. It's only because we're such good friends, Matthew. No, uh, here's the deal. I have two toasters. I have a slot toaster and a toaster okay. oven. They cannot, there's nowhere in my kitchen to hide them. I have a lot but of like- if there was. Oh, <laughs> I put them under the bed. No, uh, it's, uh, you wonder how I stay so toasty at night. That That's a good point. No. Um, okay, my toasters are visible. <laughs> uh, because they are on the bottom shelf of like restaurant, like stainless prep tables sure. that we have as part of our countertop. My oven, completely visible. In fact, you can't miss it. Yeah. My fridge, you absolutely cannot miss it. It is a white box that sits. <laughs> That's weird. In the corner of my kitchen. You should, you should like nail some wood panels to it. Uh, the dishwasher, it has a like stainless steel front. Also can't miss it. No, it's no longer the quiet partner. It's not the quiet partner. Um, let's see things like my KitchenAid mixer. That is also visible. Mm -hmm. Instant pot also visible. Yeah. I just put all these things on shelves in the living room or dining room. Yeah. These things are all on open shelving. Uh, I mean, my kitchen is very cobbled together and I would say yours is too. Oh, yeah. Really? You've got How like all this additional yes, shelving is. you've put in. Neither one of us has a kitchen that we have like, like renovated in, in any meaningful way. Everything is visible. Nothing is hidden. I feel um, like that's, I mean, this is like a, a more, more serious answer than, than I was expecting for this question. But I feel like, like the idea of hiding appliances is like something for like a, a kitchen in a magazine that never actually gets used. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have been in a lot of Airbnbs where they don't leave the toaster out on the counter. Even the one that we were in for our corporate retreat recently tucked the toaster away in a cabinet. And I don't ever understand that because literally the toaster gets used at least once every single day at my house. Yeah. So I don't know why I wouldn't leave it out. I think also I don't like clutter, but I like my house to look really lived in. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So I've got, I've got stuff out. Uh, The other thing is, I mean, truthfully, I I really think it, it takes a certain amount of money to start hiding your appliances. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's, yeah. um, and I don't know if people have noticed, but podcasts, at least independent comedy podcasts, are not how you make that kind of money. Yeah, that's right. Our, our IPO is still still pending. That's <laughs> we, right. The SEC said uh, that um, if, if you're expecting a market cap of, of less than $100, you should maybe like wait on the IPO. You know, that said, listener Colton, I do want to say a couple things. Uh, my parents renovated a house they bought when I was like a preteen. It was sort of their dream house. And they did shell out for a fridge with like beautiful, mm -hmm. like wooden. It, yeah, it was I basically say, encased in the same thing as their cabinets. I love that. I think that's great. It was really classy. My ex-husband, Brandon, has just finished basically rehabilitating an old farmhouse. And he and his partner, Natalie, have also done the same thing with their fridge. It it looks, you know, it blends right in with the cabinets. Um, and it looks lovely. It looks lovely. I don't know. I like a fridge that's covered with magnets and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do that. We, we talked about how like like newer fridges like are often not magnetic anymore. Yeah, um, I think and that's I think a bummer. My, my in-laws just got a new fridge. Like they did a kitchen renovation that's really nice and they got a new fridge. And I think it is magnetic. I was, I was concerned about that because their old fridge had a lot of magnets. Not all yeah. of them made it over to the new fridge, but some of them did. Mm. Uh, another cool thing that my parents hid was the trash. So I, <laughs> okay, I think that's that, a good point. Well, so trash cans, like uh, people are of many different minds about sure. this, right? You could have a trash can that like stands in the corner and it looks like a trash can. Yeah. You could have a trash can that's like under the sink. Some people have like a trash can that's in like some sliding out cabinet thing. Sometimes I stand in the corner and look like a trash can. Um, I was, I wasn't going to say that, Matthew. I'm yeah. glad that you are able to own it though. What my parents did was they basically in the, the butcher block top of their kitchen Island, mm -hmm. they cut a hole, like a circle yeah. in the butcher block and beneath it was <laughs> like, a a, like at the doctor's office. That's right. Yeah. And beneath it was a cabinet where they kept a, a trash can. Yeah. I like, I love that approach. It was pretty great. Cause like. Well, here's the only thing that was weird. They wouldn't let me actually, and, and they wouldn't <laughs> They wouldn't let you climb either. into it head first. No, they wouldn't let you chop anything directly on the butcher block. What is the point Ooh, of having butcher block yeah. if you won't cut directly on it? So I, I feel like the point of that kind of trash setup is so that you could sweep whatever you're working on into the trash. I, yeah, I want this. I want this so bad. I'm never going to get but, it, but maybe maybe someday like at an Airbnb or something. But the trash of my youth was uh, like one size fits all, whereas trash now is like compost, recycling, and garbage. The trash of my youth is a great name for a memoir, and you are a noted <laughs> memoirist and should get working on this immediately. Okay. Um, wait a minute. I just want to – oh, hold on. I've got some other other things I want to say. I love, I love listener Colton's question. Me too. Are there appliances you hide so well that you forget to ever use them? I mean, I mean, like by hide, does does he mean just like put in in a cabinet? I think I think he means like like a treasure hunt, like a scavenger. Oh, hunt. okay, okay. Like, have you ever like well, hidden them all over your house and then made like a family <laughs> circus type of map? Mm, that sounds like so much fun. Like I little, don't know why little I Billy haven't. following a dotted line from from the panini maker to the toaster oven. How 
do you feel about microwaves installed over the oven? Oh, I'm glad you uh, reminded me about that. I like it. That's what I grew up with on Southwest 46th Street in Portland. Now our our microwave is on the counter and is like always kind of in the way of the dishes or like drying dishes and like there's but there's no better place to put it. And we and we have yeah. like we, as as we met, we've mentioned before like we have like a basically non-functional vent fan that isn't doing anything up there. So like put a microwave up there. Yeah. I have neither a microwave over the uh over the stove nor do I have an exhaust fan. I, yeah, I mean, I do think it's nice when everything has a place and that place is not directly on the countertop. Yeah. So like, I totally get what you're saying about the microwave. As it happens, most of my stuff, including my microwave is, yeah, like below the counter, but on open shelving. And I don't love that either because everything gets dusty all the time and it's stupid and I hate it. Yeah, but that's that's kind of life. But it's super accessible and my life would be a lot less dusty if I didn't have a dog and I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. You know, you know what I've got going on over here that that you don't know about yet, but but uh, like has made this episode that much more enjoyable for me. I got I got I come. Are you not wearing pants? I'm not wearing pants. And I got a (laughs) uh, comfy life like gel pad for my feet. Oh, here here in the the podcast, an anti fatigue mat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, it's so nice. I can't believe I waited this long. Can you hide any appliances under it? I mean, like, like flat appliances, like flat D. <laughs> the flat D. Okay. Wait, one other thing. I feel fine about <laughs> hotels hiding their refrigerators. Yeah, go for it. As long as I can find it. Sure. Yeah. You know what I don't like? I don't like it when the fridge locks, when there's like a lock on that one. <sighs> Is, if I, if I encountered a lock, are you sure you're not thinking of the wait. safe? <laughs> No, sometimes it's like a oh, I know what you mean. Like yeah, cabinet. yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems unnecessary. I don't really understand that. Maybe I mean I guess maybe if you were a parent and you wanted to lock your teenager out of it. Yeah, because like teenagers love mini bars. They will rack up a bill. Teens is always racking up a bill. So uh, Molly, what you snacking? Hey, what you snacking? You gotta tell me what you're snacking, or I'll release the kraken. So what you snacking? I do want to uh, say as a disclaimer that I don't like the fact that what I'm about to talk about is described by its creator as healthy. Okay. I don't like talking about food that way. But what I've been snacking is a particular zucchini muffin uh, mm-hmm. that I've been making for years now. Uh, I think since 2019, maybe uh, when the recipe was published, it was published on the Cup of Joe blog. The recipe originally was created by Sarah Forte of the site Sprouted Kitchen. Okay. At this time of year, uh, or actually the time of year when we're recording this, so it's it's early September right now. You're hearing this in October. But it is so great to have a recipe to put all your extra zucchini in. I was just going to say, are you dealing with a zucchini glut? Well, we've been getting like two zucchini a week from our CSA. Okay, so you don't, you don't have zucchini growing in your own garden. I don't. Okay, no, no, I that don't. wasn't a criticism. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm a little sad. Do you ever hide the to zucchini? To be honest, I can't believe you brought up this thing I'm so sensitive about. <laughs> Do I ever hide the zucchini? <laughs> I thought that was just going to go by. <laughs> No, no. So here's the thing. This recipe uses one cup of grated zucchini. I love when I am like uh, sort of prepping all my veggies when I bring my CSA box home. Sometimes I'm just like, I can't deal with another cucumber. And I, I mean, another zucchini. And I will just... (laughs) 
I will just grate it right then and there, divide it up into one cup portions. I mean, they do look very similar. Put each one in a baggie, put them all in a bigger baggie together and label them so that whenever I want to make this recipe, which is so delicious, it has almond flour Mm -hmm. in it. Oh, interesting. uh, Chocolate chips, a little bit of cinnamon, olive oil. It's really good. You're making Uh, this sound really good. Like I, I don't think of myself as a person who would like actively seek out a zucchini muffin although i would certainly eat one if it was on hand but now i feel like i want to ask uh like I, I could make it myself but but uh watzel is generally the muffin maker and so like mm. if i asked asked for this she would make it but would also make fun of me for requesting it mm, okay well you know what whatever you two are into <laughs> right okay yeah that's right that's <laughs> our, our basic dynamic anyway so yeah that's the zucchini muffin recipe from sarah forte uh as published on cup of joe we'll link to it in the show notes but yeah it was published in like september of 2019 good stuff i am snacking as well and uh, in addition to peanut M&Ms and, and Cheez-Its, which apparently everyone knows I'm into, you know, when I usually when I go to the store, I will often come home with a new product because I can't resist. This one, this one is the Nature Valley Savory Nut Crunch Bars, and they are savory granola bars, which is kind of a good idea, I think. Um, I was not sure if they were going to be good, but uh, there are three flavors. And the only one I've tried is barbecue. I know one of the other ones is everything bagel, and I don't remember the third one. But it's like a small, savory granola bar that's based on peanuts. Um, so it's got like mm-hmm. peanuts and some other nuts and seeds in it. It's not sweet. I, I was like concerned that it was going to be sort of like a sweet and savory kind of thing, which I'm not really into. It's not sweet. It's really salty in a good way. And I really enjoyed it. It's like mm. if you've ever had like the like the the barbecue flavored almonds, like just t- roasted almonds. I like those too, and it's kind of like that. Okay. And when I went when I looked this up online to like make sure I had the name right, it it looks like these are really polarizing. Like some people hate them. So wow. if you think you might like a barbecue flavored nut bar, I would say give it a try. And if you hate it, don't blame me. All right. Matthew, you've got a now but wow for us this week that makes me wish I had the ability to play video games. The actual like device. Did uh, did the I, switch I did the switch end up at uh, at your co-parents' house? It has wound up at my co-parents' house. Yep. So, uh this uh this now but wow is called Venba. It's a game created by Visai Games in Toronto. It is a beautiful game about an Indian-Canadian family. And it's billed as like, you know, when you sell a video game, you sort of have to like say what category of game it is. And so it's kind of billed as a cooking simulator, which it is, but it's a lot more than that. It is a game that like follows like a family's life over the course of decades and it deals with like real like tough topics like you know raising a child as immigrant parents and like you know these indian parents seeing their kid grow up as like a canadian kid and having to deal with that it deals with anti-asian hate and discrimination and it's also just full of moments of everyday joy it has a fantastic soundtrack it's got beautifully colorful cartoon art and it's a sh- sounds like a great movie it uh, it could absolutely be a movie it's um, but it's it's a short game. You can finish it in an hour, probably. And it's a game. I think like if you have the a platform that can play this, I think every one of our listeners will enjoy this. I feel like if if you don't get hungry and also cry during this game, probably you're a robot. <laughs> 
it sort of reminded me a little bit like in a good way of the intro to the movie up in that, like, you know, they are jerking your tears, but you're going to like it. And what is it called called again? Venba, V-E-N-B-A. And it's available for Switch, Windows, PS5 and Xbox. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, our producer is Abby Circatella. Uh, Molly's got a newsletter called I've Got a Feeling, and it's available at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. It's excellent. You should go sign up. Matthew's got a band. Matthew actually plays with multiple different projects. That's true. Matthew has a band called Early to the Airport. Yeah, Early to the Airport. We are working on some new songs that I'm pretty excited about. Can't listen to them yet, but uh, we'll we'll have to make them first, and then you can listen to them. I also have a band called Twilight Diners that's at uh, twilightdiners.bandcamp.com. That's me and my friend Meredith, and uh, we have one one cover song out, and we're working on some originals. Awesome. All right. Well, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can ask other Spilled Milk listeners where they hide their appliances at uh, everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. I cannot wait to read the replies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you again, listener Colton. Thank you, listener Seaside Houses or Seaside Tables or Seaside Horses for suggesting today's episode. My, my Seaside Horse ran away with my Seaside Table. <laughs> that that was it. Yeah, that was, that was the closing. Check. I'm disappointed. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton, the disappointer. <laughs> Okay, so I'm so glad you asked because this is so interesting and not at all boring. Great. I'm ready. I think I'm ready to fight a bear. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 